Hi, this is Tom Compton of We Hold These Truths. You're listening to the Unheralded News and Review and Pharisee Watch, brought to you by We Hold These Truths at whtt.org on the web. Each week we look into the events that are, for the most part, ignored or overlooked by the mainstream media. And we analyze these events. Ready, set, let the sparks fly. In today's podcast for Unheralded News, we're going to revisit a subject about the Egyptian revolution. As it just happened, a new president was elected, but one of the issues that really isn't addressed by anyone is the role of the Egyptian central bank in this. We've got the military that has really control. They disbanded the the parliamentary elections or the people that were voted in uh, in the parliament, so they just disbanded. But the new president who is associated with the Muslim Brotherhood is coming into power as much as he's going to be allowed. And so this is a follow-up piece. It's actually one of a series entitled Banks, Generals, and Churches Are Stealing the Egyptian Revolution. Part 1, Egypt's Mysterious Central Bank. All right, Leslie, would you read the story for us, please? Posted by Charles E. Carlson, June 26, 2012. The joy and celebrations in Cairo saddens me because I know what Egyptians are up against. And if you don't, you need to read this series and apply it. I have spent 15 years championing lost causes, and sadly, Egypt seems to be another. For those who feel this, I know that Jesus did not once call disciples to win, but to follow and be faithful. And unless you are prepared to be on the losing side, you cannot understand the world you live in. The Egyptians' odds of finding freedom is not much worse than our own odds of keeping our freedoms. Why? because we and the Egyptians have the same half-hidden enemies. According to Reuters, Mohamed Morsi, Egypt's first freely elected president whose powers have already been curbed by the army, began work on a coalition on Monday after touring his new palace, once home of Hosni Mubarak, who banned his Morsi's movement for three decades. Reuters is right, but they only cover one-third of the problem, the military. My own lecture, Egyptian Revolt Must Nationalize the Central Bank, was recorded on February 11, 2011, as follows. We should not fear the Muslim Brotherhood. The central bankers are a greater threat. Friday, February 11th, was a day of jubilation in Egypt, but the revolution has a huge hurdle yet to cross, one that few mentions. Egypt's central bank, or Federal Reserve as we would call it, appears to be still actively in control of Egypt's finances. The central bank announced through the government's Minister of Finance, Dr. Samir Radwan, it would provide necessary funds to pay salaries and essentials to keep the economy going. This means paying the army. This sounds like good news to many who receive stipends from the government, 
but it also means a hidden banking power has ultimate control over Egypt. This writer does not know who owns Egypt's central bank. It is a secret, as is the control of the Federal Reserve Bank of New York. Certainly it is not owned by the thousands who protested against Mubarak government. But the revolution cannot be complete until it is nationalized or abolished. The Central Bank of Egypt states on its website, the CBE is an autonomous public legal person assuming the authorities and powers vested therein by law number 88 for 2003 and the presidential decree number 64 for 2004 issuing the statute of the central bank. The funds of the central bank are considered private funds. According to its website, the bank came into existence in 1961 under the first president of Egypt, General Gamal Abdel Nasser Hussein, some 20 years before Mubarak came to power. Nasser may have done some good for Egypt, but he left a privately owned central bank for the heroes of Tahrir Square to deal with. The much maligned Muslim Brotherhood was in existence in 1928 to oppose British occupation 33 years before the bank Nasser suppressed and tried to dissolve the Brotherhood, as did each subsequent president, including Mubarak, but it seems no one challenged the bank. The Egyptian people are a step ahead of we Americans. They have organized and taken to the streets. We have not. I can only hope brave Egyptians have an informed leadership that understands the central bank. Complacent Americans are a long way from understanding the financial power that controls us by opening and closing the money spigot. A story often told is that when leaving the Constitutional Convention, Benjamin Franklin was asked by a citizen, well, what kind of government have you given us? And Franklin is said to have replied, a republic, if you can keep it. The United States began as a republic and did keep it for a while, but with some bending and twisting but it ended on Christmas Eve in 1913 when Congress was fooled into passing the Federal Reserve Act signed into law by President Wilson. Today, there seems to be two flavors of central banks, privately owned and controlled ones like ours, England's, and Egypt, and a few publicly controlled ones such as those in China, Venezuela, and Iran, where the government control of the bank is in the hands of whoever controls the government. Let us pray for our own benefit that those who lead the revolution in Egypt, and we suspect the Muslim Brotherhood is a large part of it, will use their power to end central bank control. Without this, a representative government cannot long succeed Maybe Americans will someday follow suit. Thank you. Well said, Chuck. And I think it's becoming evident, at least here in the United States, that the Federal Reserve Bank and banking system 
is part of the problem. We see this come to light, particularly since the meltdown crisis of 2008 of the banks and the uh, the bailout by the um, Federal Reserve and the symbiotic relationship between the banks and the Federal Reserve systems or the the international banks. This Egyptian thing is so obvious and plain that they they do explain exactly what the central bank is right in their founding document, and they do claim that their funds are private. So whatever they have, whatever they gain, whatever they earn, whatever they steal, is theirs. And by the way, the one of the assets the central bank currently claims to have, it says it rescued all of the Swiss bank accounts that used to belong to Hosni Mubarak when he was the president. But nobody is, but they don't say what they're doing with that money or how it ever gets back to the citizens of Egypt. And of course, the Egyptians are broke. They're hungry. There's no national, they, they, their balance of payments gone to pot. Tourism was their big industry. Of course, that went away with their revolution. I can't imagine anybody, I don't, I don't know if you could book a tour to Egypt today. I suppose you could, but I bet you'd be very lonesome. And uh, so the Egyptians are in probably worse shape in, in a way than the Greeks are. And, uh, but, uh, the, but the Egyptians, uh, there, are, there are a lot of Egyptians. There are 60 to 70 million people living in Egypt. And, of course, with this central bank basically supporting the military by essentially printing the money, that the military needs and then giving it to the military, which is what they have done in the last year and what they, what they stated they were going to do, uh, they put themselves in a, in a place where the military is beholding to whoever runs the central bank. Now, it would be a surprise to me if we found out that the central bank was controlled by the Muslim Brotherhood. I doubt very much if it is. I'm sure in my own mind that it's controlled by cronies of Hosni Mubarak and the rulers that uh, came before him, and uh, that that he has banker friends, basically, who are controlling that, and, of course, they're still there. So we wrote this story about it in hopes that it would help people understand our central bank better, because uh, theirs is just a microcosm of ours, except that ours is more clever about hiding their ownership and uh, pretending, they have to be more clever about pretending that they're actually part of government, and that uh, they, they, they never admit that they basically are a private organization that keeps the money that they acquire, which the Egyptian one does. And our government, uh, uh, Federal Reserve, is not monitored either. <laughs> right. Not even by our own government. No, one right. of the There's subjects that we're looking into in a follow-up on this story is going to be the Central Bank of Iran, and, and frankly, I'm not quite sure who controls the Central Bank of Iran. It certainly doesn't say on their website. But the, the central, but in Iran, it appears that the Central Bank was created during the reign, and it was a reign, of, uh, of the Shah of Iran. His name was uh, Raza Pahlavi, Mohammed Raza Pahlavi. He was the uh, American-friendly, American-trained, I think West Point-trained, Iranian who ended up being put in control uh, when they eliminated the when, when the when a revolution overthrew 
what was then an elected government. This election was overthrown by a CIA operation in 1950. It's often said that, and then uh, Mr. Raza Pahlavi came in, and I'm, not, I'm fuzzy about exactly when that was, but it was in the 60s, I do believe. And someplace along no, the no, line, it was Iran 1953. adopted... Pardon? Chuck, it was, 19, it was Thanks for listening. Be sure to tell a friend about our podcast. And please visit our website, whtt.org. You will find a wealth of information and resources like the latest Pharisee Watch and unheralded news articles. Also, you can order our new video, Christian Zionism, The Tragedy and the Turning, Part 1. Even though this video is copyrighted, we don't mind if you copy it as long as you copy all of it. Then you can educate your friends and acquaintances about the dangers of Christian Zionism. Start small, think big, and press on toward the straight gate.